You are listening to CBS Wire. According to the Bible, there were a united humanity following the Great Flood who spoke a single language. They migrated westward and came to the land of Shinar. Here they agreed to build a city and a tower called Tower of Babel, tall enough to reach heaven. But God wasn't happy with that, so he confounded the people's speech and gave them different languages so they could no longer understand each other. This made the construction of the tower come to a halt and people scattered all over the world. Today we live in a globalized world. We live in multicultural societies and we trade with other countries across borders. This has made it more important than ever that we understand each other. To solve global issues and create better businesses and economic growth, we've learned to speak, write and understand each other's languages. One could even say that we're rebuilding the Tower of Babel. But understanding each other isn't always easy and without complexities. Most Danes can probably, you know, order a beer in English. That does not mean that they can work in English. In this podcast, you'll meet Dorte Lundsmann. She's an associate professor of anthropological linguistics at CBS. And she's researched in how people use different languages to understand each other in Danish workplaces. And in this episode, she'll tell us about what these complexities are, why language is important in business, and how we feel about speaking other languages than our own. Okay, so by now you may already think, what does anthropological linguistics even mean? Well, let's find out. Anthropological linguistics is a field of language studies that is concerned with language use and the social meaning of language use. So this means that I'm interested in how people use language, specifically in my case in workplace contexts. And I'm interested in how language is connected with um, identities and ideologies, the way that people feel about using language and the way that language impacts our belonging to different groups. According to Dorte Lundsmann, there are many different approaches to work as a researcher within anthropological linguistics, but she has found her own specific path. Within language studies, there are many different ways of doing it. Um, you can also be interested in the language system, so in grammar and how the grammar has developed over centuries, so some historical perspective. But I was more interested in how people use language, and not just in the language, but also the context. So that's where the anthropology or ethnography comes in, understanding how the context impacts the way that we use language, or how we can impact the context with with the way we speak and the way we use different words or different languages. So understanding, for instance, how an organizational or institutional setting impacts what's, what goes on, uh, why people use language differently in different types of workplaces, um, why English is used differently in Denmark from the way it's used in other countries. Um, so that that's part of my interest. As one might think, Dorte does not speak a bunch of different languages. As most Danes, she only speaks English beside her mother language. And her interest in linguistics and the English language actually stems from overhearing her 14-year-old brother playing computer. I studied English at university. I have a master's degree in English language and literature. And I think what sparked my interest was a, 
a course on the use of English around the world, and then another course in anthropological linguistics. And I ended up combining the two, so I've been researching the way that English is used in different ways. Yeah, and I, I, was, I became interested in the use of English in Denmark fairly quickly. Uh, for instance, how young people used a lot of English when they were playing computer games. That was my first research project. Um, so in that case, I was wondering why my 14-year-old brother would spend 10 hours a day in front of the computer talking to his friends and other people mainly in English. Um, so yeah, so that became the first project. Working as a researcher in anthropological linguistics at CBS, language and the use of language must have some kind of relation to business. In this case, it relates to what you could call um, diversity research. So the way that organizations manage different types of diversity. In my case, I've been looking at language policy and how um, businesses, corporations mainly try to manage linguistic diversity by implementing language policies. So today, a lot of companies, not just large companies, also actually smaller and medium-sized companies that I've worked with are becoming increasingly international, which means that they're also becoming increasingly linguistically diverse. So people use different languages, their customers use different languages, they have employees from different backgrounds. So linguistic diversity becomes an issue both internally in the organization and in relation to the markets. And Many uh, organizations see this as a problem. They're afraid of uh, miscommunication and of not being able to reach their target audience. So they want to manage this in some way. And in Denmark, the frequent re response is to introduce English as a corporate language, to reduce the diversity and to, to, to manage it somehow. So for the past 20 or so years, a lot of Danish companies have introduced language policies frequently. Um, these policies state that English is the corporate language and not a lot more than that. And then it's left up to the individual teams or employees to figure out then what to do, what to do with that. Um, from my perspective, it's interesting to see what the consequences are for employees who are told that they have to use English at work um, to some extent. It's also interesting to see what kind of expectations it races for international employees who are told that their new workplace has English as a corporate language, even though it is a Danish company. Okay, so far, so good. But why is it that linguistic research is so important in business? I think it is important because language is something that is very close to everyone. We all use it all of the time, but what not everyone realizes perhaps is that language plays a major role in relation to people's identity. So using languages at work, is, which is a high-stakes situation, it's not just about getting the message across. It's also about your own identity, how you perceive yourself, and how others perceive you, both in relation to how competent you are at your job, but also in relation to status and authority more generally. Um, so for, re for that reason, language in the workplace is uh, an important field also to business because you need to consider how your policies impact your employees. And when you introduce language policies, it can have a huge effect uh, on people's everyday lives. One interesting area that Dorte Lundsmann has been focusing on in her research is how employees in a Danish company react to being told to use English at work. 
In her studies, she's looked at engineers and project leaders in a Danish company who had decided to introduce English as a corporate language. And although a lot of Danes are completely comfortable in speaking English, her studies indicated that this is not always the case in a workplace context. What I found actually was quite similar across the three groups of employees that I talked to. The main reason that they objected to the use of English or found it to be to have a negative impact on their daily work was that it was simply irrelevant. They they all of them whether they were in headquarters or in other parts of the company belonged to employees who didn't really need English to carry out their daily work, but now they suddenly had to deal with emails and other types of communication in English. And it impacted them in different ways. So some people described that they would hold back in meetings. They they wouldn't contribute. They didn't want to speak up in English because they didn't want to sound stupid. One person said, well, if it's a two-day seminar, I will write down my questions and then I will go home and, and you know, look them up. How how do I put this in English? And they'll come back the next day and ask my questions. But often you don't have the opportunity to do that. So then you just don't say anything. They also reported large-scale meetings that uh, that used to contain a lot of interaction. People would ask questions, there would be jokes, and now they were very formal and it would be a lot of more one-way communication because people, or the Danes, would hold back. And these meetings were in English because there were one or two international employees and 60 Danes. Um, and you're trying to be inclusive by having the meeting in English, but it just means that a lot of people will not participate. According to Dorte, the tendency where employees don't participate because they are uncomfortable with speaking English has crucial consequences. Well, I think it can impact knowledge sharing uh, in the company. Uh, I think it can also have consequences for people's own careers. I mean, I can't, I don't have any proof that people are getting fired or anything like that. But um, another issue in this company was that they were pretty keen on logging how their time was spent. So basically employees had to note down every 15 minutes what account they spent that time on. But when they had to spend extra time dealing with language-related stuff, such as uh, spending extra time writing an email or reading a long email in English, there were no accounts to put that on. That That's just extra work that is put upon the individual employee, uh, which of course means that overall they become less efficient. And as a company, you need to take that into consideration. You need to make sure that there are resources assigned for this if you want to make a change from one language to another. Speaking of Danes and their uncertainties with using the English language makes me wonder how good Danes actually are in speaking English. Um, of course, compared to many other countries, Danes are relatively proficient. They start learning English early in school and... There's a large exposure to English in many parts of the environment. Um, there are not a lot of reliable surveys uh, on this topic, uh, but there was an EU survey some years back uh, where people were asked to self-report their English skills. So it's not, we don't know if they're actually that proficient, but in this close to 90% of Danes said that uh, they uh, could, they spoke English well enough to have a conversation. Um, however, when you ask the same group, can you follow uh, the news in English? Only 57% said, yes, we can. So that's a big difference. So most Danes can probably, you know, order a beer in English. That does not mean that they can work in English 
Ordering a beer is not the same as successfully negotiating a deal with a group of Americans. It's not the same as teaching an auditorium full of chemistry students in English. So I think this is where people, like the, this general idea that everyone in Denmark is very good at English tends to come up across reality is that, that we're talking about different things here. Yes, most Danes can go on holidays and use English for minor interactions, but a lot of Danes struggle. For instance, I mean, if only half of Danes can follow the news in English, that means they probably will not do very well working in English either. And the problem with this misperception that all Danes are very proficient in English is, for instance, that managers think they can introduce English language policies without problems. Because if everyone speaks English, then it's not going to be a problem for the Danes and all the internationals are just going to be happy. And then the reality is that a lot of people actually don't like working in English. They feel uncomfortable if they have to stand up in front of a crowd and address them in English. I mean, they might have felt uncomfortable already doing that in Danish and then it doesn't help that you have to do it in a foreign language. So th there's a problem when the perception or the idea of how things are do not match the reality. And I think that's what we're dealing with here when it comes to uh, Danes and the English language. Right now, Dr. Lundsmann is studying the use of foreign languages in workplaces the other way around. This means that she's investigating how international employees feel about learning and using the Danish language at Danish workplaces, and in these studies, it seems like things are a bit different compared to when Danes are forced to speak English at their job. It's very different. Um, some international employees embrace it and spend a lot of time learning Danish. I have several colleagues here who are completely fluent in Danish, uh, and, and others choose not to. Uh, and actually, that's my next project, to find out what is the, first of all, how much do you need Danish if you're an international, highly educated uh, worker in Denmark? Because there is a perception that unlike refugees who need to learn Danish, if you come here as a knowledge worker, then you can probably get by with English. There is no demand that you have to learn Danish uh, recently. The law has been changed, so you have to pay for it yourself if you do want to learn Danish. So there's not a lot of encouragement for these types of workers to learn the local language. And the question is, what do their lives look like? So what is it like at work if you don't speak Danish, but what also outside of work? What happens when you have to pick up your kids from school or go to a meeting in your local, in your building or something? How can you actually get by without Danish or what kinds of of languages uh, do you use. I have a colleague at the University of Copenhagen who has interviewed researchers there, and some of them talked about living kind of a parallel life where you could get by without Danish because you would only socialize with other non-Danish speakers. You would put your children in uh, international schools, you would work in an international environment, and then you would, you would lead a completely parallel life in Denmark. When English is such an international language as it is, And when international employees are living parallel lives, it makes me wonder why it is so important for some employers that their employees learn to speak Danish. But according to Dr. Lundsmann, there's a reason for that. I think people, uh, some people are realizing that it is important if you want to, uh, to retain your international employees, if you want them to stay in Denmark long term, then 
knowing the language is probably an important factor. Um, this is also an issue in relation to international students, which has recently been raised from the political side, that, that it's an issue that uh, while we attract a lot of international students to Denmark, a lot of them don't stay on. And it would also be interesting to investigate the role of language here. So who, who leaves and who, and, and who stays? Is it that the people who have chosen to invest by learning Danish are more likely to stay, perhaps because it's easier for them to get a job? Um, or what is the role of language in that um, problem? Learning Danish can be difficult. And being an international employee at a Danish workplace can be challenging on a social level if you do not understand the Danish language. And that that is the main problem because usually the work itself can be carried out in English, but it's the social dimension and it's the question of inclusion and belonging. Whether people feel that they belong, that they're a part of the team. Uh, or whether they feel excluded. And this has been shown in other studies as well, that there is a tendency for people, for employees in social situations to group with speakers of the same language. So these researchers refer to it as language clustering, that in the coffee breaks, the German speakers will, will find the other German speakers and have coffee with them, and the Danes will find the other Danes and have coffee with them. And if you're then the only non-Danish speaker in a group, it can be very isolating. Mm. So as an international employee, in Denmark, what we know so far is the Danish seems to be important for the social aspect or for belonging at work. In addition to the social dimension, speaking a different language has also something to do with the impression that one gives to others about themselves. Language is tied up with your identity, so speaking a foreign language is not just about getting the message across. It influences how other people see you. And if you have to speak a language that you're not entirely comfortable with, in a high-stakes situation, such as a workplace situation, it influences how other people see you. And it is important to be seen, for instance, if you're a manager, you want to be seen as someone who has authority, uh, perhaps also as someone who is authentic. And those are some of the aspects that are influenced if you if you speak in another language. Mm. And this, I mean, if you're an academic, if you're teaching, it can also be very stressful to have to do that in a language that is not your first language because you have maybe a hundred students judging you and actually evaluating you on your language in their student evaluations. Um, and you can see in those evaluations that uh, they are quite critical and will not refrain from commenting on um, teachers' English skills and their accents, especially if they're not Danish. Um So I can understand why people are hesitant to use a foreign language at work, whether it's Danish or, or English or another language, because it is intimately tied up with who you are and who people see you to be. So being a researcher in anthropological linguistics who focus on the use of different languages in workplaces while working at CPS as an international university, it's pretty interesting to find out if there's any parallels to draw in the results between the workplaces she studied and CPS. And according to Dol Lundsmann, there really is. I think a lot of my findings... Um are similar to what you would find at CBS. And that's also what you can find in the literature. There have been some studies done on the use of English in academia. Another finding that I have that we haven't talked about yes, yet is the, how it is for international employees to work in an institution that is based in Denmark, but is supposedly English speaking or international. 
And that is not always easy. And I know that that is the same thing for some of my international colleagues here at CBS, that even though CBS is supposedly an English-speaking workplace, there are a lot of times that it isn't, where you suddenly get emails from the study board or from colleagues in other departments who maybe do not realize that you're not Danish-speaking. Um, so suddenly you have to deal with a lot of uh, Danish material. Actually, also a lot of the material sent out from the ministries, so from above, only exists in Danish. So you will see the head of department circulating emails saying, sorry, this document only exists in Danish, but please all read it before the next department meeting, which people, of course, can't do. If you look at it from a diversity perspective, the, the recent statistics that show career progression at CBS also show that Uh, not only is it a dis you are a disadvantage if you're a woman, but also if you're an international uh, academic, that it actually takes longer to progress in your career. It, there are fewer um, international staff who make, make it to full professor. So I'm not saying that language is, is the only reason, um, but there was a survey done last year, or, or um, not a, a survey, but uh, a study, Uh, where international employees at all Danish universities had the opportunity to to talk about um, career progression and what it was like for an international researcher to work in Denmark. And they they raised uh, language as an issue, that if you were not a Danish speaker, it would be harder to uh, have a successful career here. You have once again listened to CBS Wire, and we urge you to tell everyone you know, either in English or Danish, about our podcast. But before we say goodbye, I have just one last question to ask Dr. Lundsman. Actually, I, I have a, a bit of a weird question for you. Um, you know, according to the story of the Tower of uh, Babel, God confounded people's uh, speech so they could no longer understand each other. Don't you think there's a high reason why it is uh, so difficult for people from uh, different nationalities to understand each other? That's a good question. Uh, what I find interesting here is that you connect language with nation. So saying that people f from different nations don't speak the same language, whereas we know, you know, people in different nations speak English, where people within the same nation may not necessarily speak the same language. But this is a very common, what I would call a language ideology or a belief about language that uh, a nation is tied with a people and with a language. And we still, this is centuries old, but it still comes up frequently, for instance, in the English only movement in the US, which argues that English should be the only language used in for official purposes. We also see it in a lot of political rhetoric in relation to migrants, saying that if migrants want to integrate, they need to learn the local language. What we do see in reality, of course, is that it's much more complex, that uh, most societies, most countries are multilingual. And that Danish society, the way it looked up until a couple of decades ago, was a bit of an aberration. Not many countries were that linguistically homogeneous. And even in Denmark, we do have a German-speaking minority. Um, and now Denmark is, of course, uh, hundreds of different languages are spoken on a daily basis here. So this idea that one language only is used in a nation is simply not true. Thank you for listening.